0: The A-List Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network.
1: Hey, everyone. Quani Lunas here for the A-List Podcast. We have a special edition for you today because, of course, it's the playoffs, so we have to prepare accordingly. First, we're going to talk to Green Runs Deep. That's his Instagram handle. He's one of the biggest Celtics fans you've probably seen out there. If not, go check him out on Instagram, and then right after that, We're going to talk to the opposing side, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Lauren Williams. She's the beat reporter covering the Hawks, and she's going to give us a little inside look as to what we should expect in this first round matchup. So our first guest for this Playoff Extraordinaire podcast is, you may have seen him on Instagram, Green Runs Deep. Welcome. Thanks for honoring us with some of your time today.
2: (laughs) Hey, you might have seen my ugly face on the Jumbo and acting crazy with the fans at the garden, but... (laughs) Now I'm on the A-list. I'm happy to be on here. I appreciate you guys giving me your time and your platform.
1: I gotta call you out though, because when we we talked about this earlier, you're like, if if I'm on the A-list podcast, it's gonna now be what the B-list.
2: I'm a B-list. I'm just, I'm just like one of somebody that stands back. I take content. I I record funny things. But you guys are the A-lists. You guys are your faces are known in the whether it be covering the Celtics or. A couple of you guys are very well known for speaking up about uh, Black Lives Matter. I follow a lot of your opinions on that and I, I appreciate what you guys do for the city of Boston. Gary, I listened to a long episode of what you were talking about a couple weeks ago and just being on the pod with you, that that really feels cool to be like talking to you guys.
3: i <laughs> appreciate it, it's good to have you here. Hey,
4: Gary, I told hey, you okay. Gary, somebody besides your mama, love you boy. I-
1: I told you. <laughs> the price forward. just went up, right? The price just went up. We're about to use that clip for yeah, all I'm of Grant, our I'm Grant, I'm
3: Grant Williams in this piece. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm December Grant Williams. Now, nah, um, you're
2: OG, you're more the Al Horford type, but he got cuter eyes than you. Okay, <laughs>
0: hey,
4: I'll tell you, that. 100 right there, man. Al and I
1: that's the sound, man. <laughs> All right, well, as a super fan, a lot of people know you on Instagram for your love of the Celtics. You're also very critical when needed, but for the most part, it's all love. What are you looking forward to from this Atlanta matchup specifically? I want to hear a fan so, perspective. We have never had a fan on the show, actually, so you're the first one. <laughs> so
2: first things first, this regular season has gone by and it's dragged on because us real fans have been having that sickness in our mouth since game six of the finals last year. And the real season is about to begin this coming week. Saturday, we got a huge matchup with Atlanta. And, like, I feel like the last couple of years, the Celtics have never had, like, a layup matchup. Like, last year, we got Brooklyn in the first round. It was a sweep, but we were all nervous about it going into it. This one, like, I'm not going to come on here and say we're taking the broomsticks out before the series starts because I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But... I really feel happy, like, after they won the other night versus uh, Miami. It was like a breath of fresh air. They deserve this. Yeah,
4: and and the point that you bring up is one that I know not only the media, but I, I imagine fans are concerned as well about the Celtics taking these Hawks as serious as they should. Is that something that concerns you going into this series, knowing how the Celtics have kind of dominated them in the regular season and how, you know, the Celtics are kind of in the penthouse and Atlanta is like, you know, that back door, behind the back door, behind the back door, they're getting into the building.
2: After that after that uh, massacre on Easter, I think that the Celtics should sit down their status for one of the games and maybe let the bench players play versus the Hawks one game. Now, to be honest, that's a million percent on my mind. They cannot take this team lightly. They signed a real coach at the midway through the season. Most teams do not do that until, like, in the offseason. And I'm a little bit nervous about the coach, I will say that. Quinn Snyder is a very good coach.
3: Yeah, it looks like, I mean, were you one of those people that thought, like, as a lot of people I thought felt that way, that even though Miami is flawed, and we saw the flaws last night, but a team with Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Kyle hero, Bam out of bio, and even Gabe Vincent. All of do all of them dudes have had their moments against the Celtics. All of them dudes have, have, have put in that work against the Celtics. That team would have kind of caused some anxiety, considering they felt like they had been, you know, injured all year, and they were finally coming together, and then. I don't know. I mean, you you saw the game. You saw like Toronto Lowry. Like that's a Lowry I remember yep. getting in the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Like him and when him and DeRozan used to go one-two punch on the Celtics. Were you kind of concerned about a potential matchup with Miami, considering like they got five dudes who have gotten in the Celtics before?
2: Hell to the, yeah! Last year, Game Seven, I had a party of three hundred people watching the game. Jimmy Butler shot one in the air. The whole crowd absolutely silent we thought we were about to get shocked right in front of our face i'll be ignorant to to disregard that factor of it but i will say this like watching the celtics this year and the additions that they have i feel like they would have they would have gave miami the business too but this one is more like a sigh of relief let's let's mess around with these pesky hawks but i do not see them score them beating the celtics more than once
1: Oh, understandably so. And obviously Atlanta has had their own transitions that they've made throughout the season. But when we talk about playoffs, we always, a lot of times, the fans, we love basketball, but we want to see like one-on-one matchups. So specifically, are there any two players you're looking forward to seeing going head-to-head in this playoff round?
2: It's not so much the players on the court. It's about the TD Garden is known for the wildest fans. and, And this guy with the bad hair on the Atlanta Hawks, we're going to go the fans against Trey, and we're going to give him the business. We're going to get in his head before he even goes back home to Atlanta for game three. He's going to be – his feathers are going to be ruffled after that. But I was just talking to some kid who
1: was – he called him Trey Old, and I didn't even understand what he was talking Trey about, but I was like, all right, kids, kids be having the worst burns. I'm going to tell you that. Trey
3: O about to be old after this one. Trey Old, I like that one. I like... That's, <laughs> that's a t-shirt, t-shirt, at right. That's t-shirt that right. right there. Trey Old. <laughs> be laughing at that. Don't laugh at that. That's not-
4: <laughs> Gary, Gary, she ain't talking about us being old for once. No, no, we're just talking about Trey. She's talking about so Trey. That's
3: my that friend Raquel, cool. was her son, who, who made that joke. I though. do think Trey will enjoy being the villain in this series. and
1: For
3: sure. I don't know. It's, it's hard. I don't know what you think, GRD. It's hard to determine what Atlanta is like Miami is trying to win a championship, even though they were they're they're old and they look terrible. Atlanta's sort of like they're like game 23 into the Quinn Snyder era. Like they ain't figured it out yet. Like I don't know if they're gonna be like, yeah, we can really win this series. They're like, listen, we're gonna make some changes in the offseason. We're gonna make some adjustments. I'm gonna, but let's just play this out and see what happens. What I mean what what did you think of the Hawks performance? Uh, in the playing game,
2: so I mean, they came out and they they shocked the world. Nobody had them winning versus Miami yesterday, and that part of this series, it does like it's something to talk about. Like, are they going to come in here with the killer instinct? My opinion on it: I'm a military guy. I will tell my players go into this battle. You got to send these guys home in a body bag back to Atlanta, and same thing that they did after they beat the new, uh, Brooklyn Nets. They made Kyrie and KD get traded. Now maybe Trey Young's the next one to get <laughs> traded after the Celtics struggle broomstick up there. I mean, we out here. <laughs> Trouble he got, he, he got Trey on the block. with taking out of town. He He's the focus right now. His name is getting bounced around. I know everybody wants to talk about Jalen Brown. I don't know how you talk about a guy like that on a winning team. Talk about the guy Trey Young that's on the team that cannot win. Yeah. Well, you you brought We're
4: you brought Jalen Brown up, which is which is good because I was going to bring him up as as well. Uh, as you know, Jalen had a little boo boo on the head, five stitches. I'm calling it a little boo boo because I, I I'm trying to just bring myself off the off the ledge on this level
1: headed. Yeah. So I'm just
4: gonna call it a little boo boo. <laughs> how concerned are you about Jalen and his ability to play the way he has up to now, going into this first game, knowing that you know he's got five stitches in his hand and we don't really know how that's going to impact it. Are you concerned about
2: Jalen and what he's able to do? Because it's on the shooting here, too, I might add. Jalen Brown is a killer on the court. If this guy steps on the court, I'm not worried about his performance. But bringing him up, I'll say this. I'm one of the fans that I'll live, die for Jalen Brown. So if your boy Brad Stevens trades my guy Jalen Brown, we're showing up at Brad's house with some... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs>
4: we're
2: having a protest out there. Jalen Brown, a, I'll put my heart for that, man. He's a, if he goes on the court, I trust that he's going to be a hundred percent. What is You guys, it? you guys know Jalen Brown just as well as I do. He's a soldier out there. And that's the guy you want on your team in the playoffs. Oh,
4: it, this this time of year, you all about who's in your bunker. Uh, who, who can you look to your left or your right that you know is ready to fight, ready to scrap, ready to go to battle uh, and get that W. And Jalen's one of those dudes. But what is it about him that, that resonates with you? Like, what do you like most about Jalen Brown?
2: So Jalen Brown, if I had to say anything, like I'm a, I'm a father, he's a guy like I'll be happy one day if my son comes to me and asks me for a Jalen Brown jersey. He's a guy that puts on for the city on the court 100%, That which is very rare these days. Most guys take nights off this, that. When he's playing, he's trying to win the game, number one. And then for all of the stuff that he's done off the court for the city of Boston, bringing the community together, he just... He strikes a chord with me, and I say that from his beginning story, from the night when everybody didn't really know who the dude was, and they were booing the hell out of him because they wanted to trade the pick, this that. But if if I had to do anything, Jalen Brown, I I'll, I'll show that guy the love that we need to show him. You know, he's a real one. Absolutely,
1: love to hear it. Wait, so with that being said, are you one of the fans that get bothered by the? Which one can we have, Jay, conversation? It sounds like you're the more level-headed one when it comes to the two stars.
2: I mean, for the last, like, seven, six years, I've been defending both of them on on all over the internet and just letting the people know that, like, most teams will kill to have one of these players, never mind I have two at the same damn time. Mm-hmm. I cannot even go into the depths of how the people fight about how they're not friends off the court, this, that. That shit is old news. Anyways, I we're going into the playoffs. Two guys that are in, like, entering their primes. We're hoping that this guy gets All NBA, so he stays on the Celtics forever. That'll be exactly what we want. You know, we want a built championship, not a bought championship.
1: Thanks, uh, Gary. Any final questions for our guests?
3: So, is there anything about this team entering this run this year? that concerns you? It definitely comes down to Robert Williams for me as a fan.
2: I feel like he was the X factor when he went down in the playoffs last year uh, versus Minnesota before the playoffs, actually. Like, he was just never 100% as much as he tried, and he was playing almost like 40 minutes in the final games and stuff. He just wasn't himself. This year he came back. I feel still we were seeing like 70% Robert Williams. If he could get up to 90%, then the Celtics, that's like an X factor that he could mess – he could bang with Clint Capella in this first round maybe. I just want to see him go to his next level because I feel like this year we just didn't see him get to that next level yet.
1: Well, there you have it. We got an authentic perspective from a a real fan. Green I really appreciate you guys. I, I do want to plug the watch party that you've been having, usually during the playoffs. I think you said you're gonna start having one for this first round, correct?
2: Hey, when the Celtics are out of town, you guys are more than welcome. To bring your family, friends to the parties. It's okay. at Big Night Live right next to the garden. We're gonna do home and away, all Boston's all Boston sports games. Bruins, Celtics. It's gonna be bonkers the next couple months. I'm
1: gonna pop out. Where can people find info about it?
2: Uh it's on Ticketmaster. All you gotta do is search oh, Celtics Boston watch party.
1: It's official. Thank wheezy. you so much for giving us some time. Let's Hopefully we can talk to you for a second round. <laughs>
2: Hell yeah. Have a good day, guys. Take care. You too. too. Take- good to see you.
0: Grand Slams, no-hitters, and double plays are back. And there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official partner of Major League Baseball. And new customers in Mass can get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. And sign up at FanDuel.com slash Boston. Finally, you can bet on all your favorite sports from the money line to point spreads to player props and more. So bet now on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't miss your chance to get $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and make every moment more. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. You must be 21 or older and present in Massachusetts to participate. A $10 initial deposit is required. Your first online bet must be a real money wager. Bonuses are issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234.
4: And welcome to the podcast. We have Lauren Williams, uh, Atlanta Hawks beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. What's up, Lauren? What's going on with you, girl?
5: What's up? I'm recovering from... A uh, bunch of excitement yesterday flew in from Miami back Maybe. to Atlanta today, so we're still sleepy, but we're here. Yes. We're here. Yes,
1: you are here. <laughs> and we appreciate you hopping on, because I know the jet lag is crazy right now, so it really means a lot to have a real in-the-field perspective of what's going on and who the Celtics are about to play. Sure, I don't interrupt you. My bad, my no, bad. No, Keep running. <laughs> Yeah, I was actually just telling them I selfishly already planned for this to happen. <laughs> last week on the pod we did mention it would be Atlanta or Miami and thankfully it's Atlanta. But let's just start with your overall perspective of the Hawks right now. I know mm-hmm. it's a restructuring year for the team, but what have you seen over the last few months as they've still tried to figure out what their identity is really? Yeah, I wouldn't
5: say so much that it's restructuring. I think that they kind of um for the most part, understand that they have some talented guys. They just have to figure out how best to utilize them. And with Quinn Snyder in the fold now, I think they'll get a better idea or a better sense of the direction that they want this roster to go. I think over the last 20 games of the regular season, um, since Snyder took over, he's gotten a pretty good idea of maybe who he wants on the roster, who he doesn't want. And I know the Hawks would like to make sure that things are clarified as far as how much power Quinn Snyder has. And uh he's he says he just wants to be there to coach, but um, you know, it's still hard for me to believe that he won't have some sort of say in in what or some opinion of what he believes a championship caliber roster is. So I think this team is learning but i wouldn't necessarily say that they're restructuring so much and it seems that they're finally hitting some kind of stride and what a time for them to do it now that they're in the postseason yeah uh
4: along those same lines lauren uh you know trey young uh had i, I thought a really good game against miami 25 points eight rebounds seven assists did a little bit of everything uh had his usual high number of turnovers but that makes him like you know pretty much everyone in the top 10 top 15 in assists. system they, they turn ball. About- Right. But I'm curious, you touched on Quinn Snyder just kind of really evaluating uh, to some extent who is going to be around beyond that. Where does Trey fit in that conversation? Because obviously, statistically speaking, he's the best player, but he would not be the first best player on the team to get moved and won't be the last. Where does he fit into, you know, what Quinn Snyder's vision is for this team going forward?
5: I think Quinn has a lot of respect for the talent that Trey is. And I think they're still learning each other so much. And so I think going into the offseason, this is going to be a huge off season to kind of figure out where Trey does fit into what Quinn's vision of this system should be. Um, and of course, we know Trey comes with the reputation of being a guy who can get coaches bumped, moved, whatever you want to say from their post. I'll say it. <laughs> um, but I think this is this is going to be a chance for him to show that, you know, he can he can fit into what a coach who has taken a team like the Utah Jazz to the playoffs multiple times, um, what that demands. And so this is a chance for him to mature and, and grow up. And if he doesn't, then, you know, perhaps, like you said, he he's a point guard that will be on the move. And it's another team might be able to come in and scoop him up, but it's it's still hard for me to believe what the market will be for a guy who has the reputation that he does.
3: And I like I want to kind of go and dig further into Trey. Like Trey seems to be like he came into the league, he was mm-hmm. this fresh faced, you know, Steph Curry like player mm-hmm. where it was like oh how cute. He's just a little guy who shoots very 40 footers. Yeah. You know, he was just this guy that everybody loved. And then and no one knew how well he was going to do. Then he ended up obviously being very good, doing very well, making all-star teams and leading But now there's this like, like Sherrod said, kind of coach killer reputation is, is Trey a guy who at this stage Is he about his numbers? Does he want to win? Does he only want to win his way? Is he delusional in terms of his talent? Like, getting to know him over the year, like, how would you type, you know, is he he just a guy who just has had a couple of coaches that just just happenstance with Nate McMillan and Lloyd Pierce just didn't get, like, it just didn't work. And both, Mm -hmm. how would you, what kind of guy is Trey, And, you know, is he a winner or is he a guy that's like, listen, I got my 35, 15 assists. I'm good.
5: I think it's that second to last point that you made where it's, it just might be happenstance that Nate McMillan and Lloyd Pierce just weren't the right fit for the type of player that he is. Now that goes back to my point though, that if he and Quinn Snyder can't figure out what exactly is the best way to bring out the best in him, then I could see him being the guy on the move versus Quinn Snyder, who the Hawks went out convinced to come in with 20 or so games left in the season to try and get them into a championship, a perennial championship winning team, or at least a perennial playoff team. So I think he has a lot to prove right now, not so much as, um, what he can do stats wise, because I think we know what that is. I think more so where Trey's sense of growth is, is being that mature leader that we just haven't necessarily seen just yet. And that doesn't necessarily mean that he has to be a rah-rah guy that uh, rallies his team around him, but he has to be the guy that, can get everybody to buy in to what the coach is selling. And I think because he's the face of the franchise, he has a lot of pressure to, to rise to that occasion. And he just hasn't, hasn't done that yet. And I think it's just happenstance that the circumstances ended up being that the two coaches that were his first couple coaches in the league ended up getting bounced, but um, you know, he's, he's 24. If you think about it, two years removed from college. And most of us didn't even know who we were at 24 years old. So you want to give him a little bit of grace to kind of mature a little bit and and figure things out. But you know, the time is ticking on that, that aspect of him being the franchise player face of the franchise of the Atlanta Hawks.
1: So you mentioned you're obviously just in Miami, you've been following the team all season, but after their win against Um, sorry, Yeah. after their win against Miami, what was Mm -hmm. the reaction from the team and what kind of sense are you getting of how they're looking forward to this matchup against Boston?
5: Yeah, I mean, Gary was in the room with me when um, we got a chance to interview the guys post-game. And I think the biggest thing is that they don't want to celebrate a play-in win too long just because it's a play-in. I think they're very much ready to go for the playoffs. They know that they do have a lot to prove, um, particularly because... 17 ESPN um, panelists said that they didn't have a chance to beat the Heat and they took that very personally. Um, At least DeJounte Murray took it personally enough to address it on Twitter right after the game. So I think there's a sense of them knowing that right now they're the underdog and not a lot of people have faith in what they might be able to do. But listen, the Celtics team They were number one in the East for a really long time and for good reason. And they've swept the Hawks in all three of their games in the regular season. So they've got a tall task ahead of them. And I can imagine Quinn Snyder's game planning from the moment he stepped on the plane after that Miami game last night.
4: Yeah, and and part of that that game planning, I would imagine uh, they did a heck of a job rebounding the ball against Miami. Mm they going to be that good against Boston. Uh, But I was more impressed by the production they got from their bench. And Mm -hmm. when, how much of a factor do you think that second unit of the Hawks will be against a Boston Celtics team that has some depth, but I mean, and we've talked about this before, and Mm -hmm. a couple of Celtics killers on that team, and I'm thinking specifically about Sadiq Bey, who gets buckets, (laughs) starting, coming off the bench, walking off the plane, he's getting buckets in Boston. Talk a little bit about just that second unit and just how impactful they could be in this series.
5: You know, I think this is the moment for the second unit to shine since Quinn came in, since the All-Star break. I mean, they've been firing on all cylinders. You've got a guy like Jalen Johnson who's been – Playing out of his mind. He's a super athletic four. He can take the ball up the floor and he just unlocks a few different things in the Hawks offense. I see, you see the connection that he has with Onyeka Okongu. And then we're seeing kind of the rise in Onyeka Okongu and being able to guard some of those smaller players out on the perimeter. But he still has the mobility to get back into the paint and still protect the rim. So I think when you think about this bench unit, you know, they're, those two guys are still kind of unlocking their shot. But as you mentioned with Sadiq Bey and then, of course, Bogdan Bogdanovich, they've got a lot of shooting and spacing with those two. And, and Bogie's been shooting about, I want to say, 45% since the All-Star break, um, which is a heck of a lot more than when he came back for those first 25 games that he had when he returned from a knee injury. So if he can knock those shots down, play aggressively, um. The Hawks can move the ball a little bit more, whether that's with DeJounte Murray and, or Trey Young, whoever is leading that second unit in that rotational moment. Um, I think that they'll be able to kind of burn the Celtics maybe a little bit from three. But this team has kind of struggled consistently as a whole with knocking shots down just because they do have a habit of um, whether it's DeAndre Hunter or John Collins or sometimes Trey Young, DeJounte Murray. They get into moments where they want to ISO and it just ends up making the offense just stick and and bad things happen for them. So if they can continue to get everybody involved and that includes the bench unit, I think that's where you're going to see a really heavyweight battle between these two teams.
3: Hey, Lauren, I have a, want to ask about John Collins. Yeah. The dude who's been on the trade block for like (laughs) 10 years. I mean, poor guy. He don't do nothing but play hard, um, you know, does his thing and he's always on the block. He's mm-hmm. longer than my like the he's on the Miles Turner plan. Like <laughs> those two guys are on the trade block for five years and then Indiana signs Turner to an extension. Yeah. How does like is chemistry better now? Is John feeling like, hey, I'm an Atlanta hawk? Mm-hmm. Or is he feeling like I'm a ball up because I might be traded in the summer? Like, what's his chemistry like? And then with obviously you brought up like Jalen Johnson, mm-hmm. and I, obviously it seems like Coach Snyder has changed rotations and pushed some of the veterans to the bench. And you, he he got he got young. And I, mm-hmm. Someone tweeted like his perhaps his best move since taking over was putting Jalen Johnson on in, mm-hmm. into the rotation and, and younger and more athletic. What's the ke- team chemistry like? How has John Collins adapted to it? And this is this is a team that you've you've been around the Pistons? Mm-hmm. This may not be a great example, but they're good <laughs> they're a bunch of young guys. Yeah. Is this team like close or are they just are they just trying to make it work? Or how would you how's the chemistry, especially with with a guy like John Collins?
5: Yeah, I would actually say that this team, they they do have some pretty good chemistry off the court. I would say that their team. You can get the sense that they all genuinely like each other. Um, the question comes up, do they like playing with each other sometimes? Um, that's where I'm kind of like, uh, I'm not sure. Um, but I think when everybody is getting involved in that backcourt is making sure that they're making a concerted effort to have as many touches with all five players, getting into as many options as possible, then good things happen for them. Um, and with John Collins, I think he's been empowered by Coach Snyder a lot to shoot the ball. He's been working with Kyle Corver a bit um, to whether that's his shot form or the mental aspect of shooting, which he struggled with at the beginning of the season. And I think we're seeing the benefits of that because he's been shooting. You know, in the last 15 games of the regular season, he was shooting about 45.5% from three, which is a pretty good, pretty good number when you think about that. Um, and so I think. Because Snyder has forced those guards to make sure that they're getting into second actions a little bit more, not settling for shots, making sure that everybody gets those touches. And and that message has been sinking in a little bit more and building those those really good habits of not just chucking up a a random three because you feel like you're open. Um, I think that's kind of helped to bring a little bit more cohesion to them on the court. But of course, the better John Collins plays, the more people might be willing to take on that contract, which of course is one of the reasons why he's still on the Hawks, even though he's been in the trade talks or trade rumors for what the last two, three years. Um, So I I do think, though, that with Snyder, uh, he's kind of figured out ways to bring out the strengths of some of these guys, or at least make them feel empowered to do what we know they can do which is something it seems a lot of the guys on this team said they didn't have under Nate McMillan and that's not to say that uh Nate McMillan didn't have a vote of confidence in them so much he I guess he was just different in terms of how he expressed it and and I think the way that coach Snyder is you see him on the sideline he's always coaching he's always moving he's cracking smiles and jokes with the guys whenever they come off the court and go go sit down so I just think it's a little bit of a different environment and things are a little bit looser now and so we're seeing good things happen because the guys are a little bit more relaxed they're getting a little bit more hands-on coaching in the moment Nate wasn't about that smile in life no (laughs) (laughs) stoic stoic (laughs) Stoic. never knew what that man was thinking
4: I love that I love that
5: Yeah.
1: yeah the thing about running your own business is every single hire counts and no hiring partner understands that like indeed Indeed is a hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like the Indeed Instant Match Tool, assessments, and virtual interviews. Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Candidates you invite, that's something that we like on our podcast, the Instant Match tool. When you, candidates that you invite, you apply through Instant Match, they're actually three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search, according to US Indeed data. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a job, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description and you can invite them to apply right away. Indeed does all the hard work for you. Sponsor a job and boom, Instant Match shows you candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately after you post. With Instant Match, you can start hiring fast. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows that when you're doing everything for your company, you can't afford to overspend on hiring. Just visit Indeed.com slash A-List to start hiring now. Once again, indeed.com slash a list indeed.com slash a list terms and conditions apply cost per application pricing, not available for everyone need to hire you need indeed. Yeah. Looking forward to the matchup specifically. Is there anyone on the team that you think should be considered an X factor that would help them potentially get to another round on the Hawks or yeah. the Celtics? Okay. Yeah, it's on the Hawks. <laughs>
5: um you know I think and a lot of people have been saying it over and over but if DeAndre Hunter can get into if the if the Hawks can just find a way to get DeAndre Hunter into a rhythm uh we know what he can do on the defensive end and I think in tuesday's game against the heat he suffered from getting into foul trouble really early and just couldn't get going um but when he was kind of getting into a little bit of a rhythm he started to see it going uh he was finding the right open looks he had bogey in the on the wing collapsing the, the 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 heat defense really well and so if you can unlock a little bit more of that, I think that could be an X factor just because you never know if he's going to take it into the paint, if he's going to kick it out, shoot the three, if he, he decides to stay on the perimeter and, and trace the ball handler, or Deshante's the ball handler, or whoever. But I think that's the X factor. And then of course, if John Collins can shoot like we know that he can, <laughs> I think that's going to be a, a really good one. But uh, the other thing is, we've already touched on it, the bench. If they can produce, 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 um, get the energy up whenever things fall a little bit stagnant, I think that that's going to help them win some series down the stretch because that means the starters don't have to be in for that long or you can have a little bit more balance between both units.
4: Mm-hmm. We we touched a little bit on just uh, kind of trade earlier. And mm-hmm. the reason why I just made that expression about DeAndre because I'm if you put the brother and yeah. rap, you might stay healthy enough to help the team in a game. That's uh, the story yeah. another day. Uh, My question to you is about DeJounte Murray, Uh, Mm -hmm. who I love as a player. He's one of my favorite players to watch. He's got a legitimate dog in him. Uh, Yes. And my question to you is, how has that been working with Trey? Because Trey is very talented. But in Mm -hmm. all due respect to Trey, he ain't got the kind of dog in that DeJounte has. How have they been able to... Mesh on a fourth quarter. Really, there's a lot. It seems like there's scenarios down the stretch where you ideally want Dejounte making some type of decision, being more of kind of that lead dog, if you will. where mm-hmm. they, there's a tendency it seems that they defer to trade. How would they make mm-hmm. that relationship work?
5: I think unfortunately they're still figuring it out. I, I wish that they had figured it out, not necessarily right now or. Um, I think what they suffered from early on, it was, uh, okay, you go to the bench. Now I have to produce, I have to make this my moment. Okay. Now you're back on, this is your time to shine and you, you do you. Um, but I think when they're at their best is when, you know, they're both making those sacrifices at the same time and reading the game as it dictates, not necessarily deferring, but just, okay. I'm the guy that's attacking and collapsing the paint a little bit more than you might be. You move off the ball and we can be the pick your poison that people expected us to be. So I think they're, you know, they're still learning from each other. But I think DeJounte kind of fits exactly what Quinn Snyder is, is used to working with. So um, time will tell. <laughs> if he's the guy that decides to stick around, um, after his contract is up and, you know, he's ready to go in free agency, which you would hate to happen because the Hawks gave up three first round picks for him. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's still, they're still learning exactly what sacrifices they need to make at the right moments, not necessarily sacrificing as as I defer to you when you're on the court. Or you defer to me when or whatever. So
3: yeah, last one for me, Lauren, generally, very rarely does a coach come in like mm-hmm. usually they would have fired Nate mm-hmm. and then he filled it, filled the last two season with an interim and then took the off season to look for a do widen the coaching search. There was rumors that he made Doka was in the mm-hmm. middle. Um, what's the transition been like? And I remember asking Jajante this last night. Yeah. He's like, well, yeah, you ain't going to get me to compare the two. <laughs> coach Nate yeah, got kind funny. of defensive. like, my,
5: Yeah. Hey,
3: my bad, brother. Like, I wasn't <laughs> trying to get you to badmouth Nate. No. Um, but what's the transition been like mm-hmm. when a coach like this? Because it's a rare situation. I don't think I've experienced. I've, I've, we've all covered coaching changes, but mm-hmm. never where the permanent coach takes in the middle of the season. What's mm-hmm. it been like to the, the transition Quinn Snyder. Obviously, he just can't come in there and go like, yeah. okay, I'm taking the hell over and right. you this, you do that. I did notice that DeJounte was taking more threes. Mm-hmm. Like he is like he's the mid-range specialist. And I remember pregame you asked him about, you know, DeJounte. And he said, hey, I'll be stupid Doctor tell him to shoot mid-range, but I do want him to shoot threes. He looks more comfortable. Mm-hmm. What's been the impact of Coach Snyder over the last two months that you've seen?
5: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is exactly what you just said. He's been empowering guys to take those threes, and he said it pregame, postgame. Uh, he would rather you take that shot and live with it, whether it's make or miss versus hesitating and settling for a two win you know, maybe you could have gotten the three and yesterday uh, it worked out in the, in the Hawks' favor really well, just because they were able to get some of those long offensive boards to create those second chance opportunities because, and they, and then they were able to catch the heat, you know, of course, sleeping a little bit because they weren't quite ready for those second chance um, looks. But I think the biggest thing is just that the Hawks just feel a lot more empowered to to take those shots uh we talked about a guy like Jalen Johnson he's still working through that not hesitating pump fake and then going inside but we're still seeing him knock those shots down. same with John Collins before um Quinn came in he might have hesitated and gone inside but now we're just seeing guys just try to let it fly as opposed to trying to make something work go in isolation and then turn the ball over so I think that's helped the Hawks kind of cut down a bit on, you know, their turnovers, even though they're never, they haven't really been a team that has a high turnover rate, but I think it has helped. Um, It helps the ball move a little bit more. It gives the offense a little bit more time to get set so that they can get some of those offensive rebounds if they're available. So I I think the biggest thing is he's just kind of feeding things to them a little bit piecemeal at a time. Um, And what's funny is there was a game, I believe it was against, the, the Timberwolves in Minnesota and he he kind of threw a play out there that they'd never practiced before. Of course, they'd watched it on film um, with various teams and, and they see how the action works, but they'd never practiced it together. But that just shows how much faith he has in this group of guys that they can make something work without, you know, having to ever practice it with a particular rotation um, in piece, in place. So I think the biggest thing is that he just has a lot of confidence in them. And so they therefore, they feel confident to do things that that maybe they wouldn't have done under under McMillan.
1: Well, we're looking forward to hosting you back here in Boston. That's, of course, Lauren Williams from the Atlanta Journal Constitution. We talk about supporting local journalism. Yes, we mean Boston, but also make sure you check out her Hawks Report podcast as well. If you want to get a different perspective of other teams in the league, make sure you're checking out. Lauren, thank you so much for your time. And again, one of
3: the few females covering the NBA. So kudos to Lauren for putting in that work. Follow her on Twitter as well. You know, especially Black women, but one of the few females covering the league. So that's awesome. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. She went to a great school for grad school as well.
1: Go Orange. All right. We didn't need all that. Lauren oh, Williams, hey. Williams <laughs> Lauren L. Hartman. We're, we're doing so well,
3: <laughs> Lauren. We're doing so well.
1: <laughs> and on that note, thank you. Thank you. <laughs>